0: Hello, everybody, or hello, everyone, depending on what you prefer. And welcome to episode 81 of the Carrier's Edge podcast. I'm Mark Morrell, co-founder of Carrier's Edge. And
1: I'm here. I'm Jane Desraoui. I'm the other co-founder.
0: And we are tongue-tied.
1: Yes. We had a, we had a brief discussion about what you prefer to say, everyone or everybody. And I like everyone.
0: Everyone is smoother and it's easier to get out but it's not as punchy. So sometimes you need that, that hard consonant in the middle to emphasize something.
1: You know what? I only use everybody when I'm demanding things, I think.
0: Yeah, that's when you want that.
1: Everybody wants this.
0: Everybody. You know what? That punchy B in the middle there.
1: I don't think I use it very often when I'm not angry. <laughs> so if you hear me say everyone, if you hear me say everybody, then I'm like, I, I'm trying to make a point. Well, maybe not angry. I'm trying to make a point.
0: Well, for the use that we were talking about, I was thinking that we wanted something more punchy and uh, a little bit with uh, a little bit more attack uh, to really emphasize the word. But then it was too much.
1: Yeah. And it's because I was saying it when I say that. I usually mean I'm angry. So it, at some level, you thought I was angry with you. Yeah. Yeah. But we were doing a Dave Nemo ad.
0: We're all about all about the talk these days, because not only are we deep into Best Fleets interviews, but we were just doing a recording of a spot for Radio Nemo. And yes, we do these things periodically. Uh, update the uh, little, I don't know, sometimes they're ads, sometimes they're like public service announcement. This was a Thanksgiving message.
1: And I swallowed all my, I've already had Thanksgiving in October and, you know, just trying to be Nice and wish everybody in the U.S. a happy Thanksgiving.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, this will be our Thanksgiving episode. So we will give thanks that we don't have to do this message again. There we are.
1: But, you know, in, in the U.S., Thanksgiving is quite important. Yes. More important than Christmas, which I always thought was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny how as we've gone through best fleets so much, we just realize how different our countries are.
0: Yeah. Maybe that should have been the pitch. <laughs> yeah. That could have been the spot is just us talking about how.
1: How different it's. Um, Yeah, it, just in small ways that you don't notice. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because when you're a Canadian and you deal with the U.S. and you go to the U.S., you know, you're usually going for work. Um, So you're doing a job when you go over there or you're going on vacation. And even if you go there to live, you only know the company that you work for. You don't really know a bunch of companies. Yeah, true. I think that's a different perspective because when we were, I mean, I've always worked in the U.S. at some point, like I've always gone back and forth.
0: Like every job you've had, you've had to go down.
1: Yeah, I was telling someone today in a Best Sweets interview that, you know, when you're a Canadian, the U.S. is like, the U.S. is a thing you, you will deal with in your working life. Like you cannot, it, it's very unusual for people to just kind of, especially when you're working in tech, that you're only in Canada. You almost always have to go to the U.S. Mm -hmm. at some point for something, and especially if you work in tech. And I think there's lots of people who only stay in Canada, but even I think a lot of Canadians go to the U.S. just on vacation. I don't think there's that many people who haven't been. No, But if you think about it the other way, there's lots of Americans that haven't been
0: here. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
1: But anyway. That's uh, so. We but when doing the best weights interviews, you really get a, a viewpoint into culture, the company culture of different companies and what they do in different geographical regions and all their what their benefits look like and what their vacations look like and what so, and it's different from here. So you're getting this sense of just how everybody functions in different areas of the world, and it's kind of cool.
0: Hmm. Yeah. You really get a sense of where things are the same and where they're different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what we've been doing is a lot of recording. So at some point halfway through this episode, our mouths may just stop working. <laughs> we may not be able to form consonants anymore and it'll just be, it'll be, yeah, it'll be a sort of a drone and you'll start sounding like Stevie Nicks.
1: <laughs> uh, that's not a terrible thing. Yeah.
0: So, um, speaking of going to different places and, uh,
1: yeah. You had an adventure in Montreal. I had an adventure.
0: So yes, yeah, so we are talking about when you go to the U.S., you get to know it. But when Americans come here, it's very different. Well, yeah, uh, I was in Montreal, which is like another layer different. And I was thinking about the Americans that come up here. They come to Canada. It's a little bit of an eye-opening thing. But then they go that next level to go to Quebec. Even Montreal, which is like the most Anglo part of Quebec that you're going to get. But it's still very different.
1: I wonder, though. I wonder if... I would have to ask people who've been to Montreal, is it, do you find it that different? Because like in their heads, it's Canada and it's different. So, you know, it's French Canada, so it's going to be different. So they, do they, you know, do they feel that it's that different as much as we do? We, we think that going to the U.S. is not that different, but going to Quebec is very different.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, I wonder. But I was there for... Uh, day and a half for the Isaac user conference, uh, which is my first time going to a user conference for a trucking industry tech company. So it was, uh, it was kind of cool. Uh, actually that's not entirely true. I did briefly attend a McLeod user conference years and years ago, but I was just in to do a speech and then kind of left. I didn't hang out for very much of it and I didn't go to any of their sessions and things, but, uh, this one, I went to the whole thing, hung out. So they had one day in French, one day in English and a joint reception, uh, after the first day sort of in between there. So kind of nicely planned. Uh, It was really good. Uh, Got a chance to see some customers, Uh, a lot of customers. uh, We have a lot of sort of shared customers. So that was really good. Talked to some partners and oddly enough, managed to get kind of all of the meetings that have been trying to get booked with different Isaac people. All happened in the space of about an hour uh, because they were all there and all standing, you know, a few feet apart. So just go, okay, let's talk to you and sort that out. And I'll talk to you and sort that out. Yeah.
1: That was your whole... their whole reason for being is to talk to all of the people who are there. So they had to talk to you. Maybe they didn't want to.
0: (laughs) Well, a lot of things that we're we're sort of in progress with uh, moved forward. We solved a lot of things that uh, we've been working on and, you know, just regular scheduling hassles, trying to get a call or trying to get something sorted out, because we are, are working with them a fair bit on uh, integrating our mobile app into their devices and making it a very seamless experience. And part of the challenge with some of that is just being able to see the devices and actually sort of talk to them and work through it. So I got to talk to several of the people that are part of the project team there. And yeah, they were they were cornered. They couldn't get away. Yeah, They could pretend that they had to talk to somebody else, but I was between them and the other people. So they were trapped.
1: It's always, you know, we always talk about how we're You know, we're a remote company and we don't really see each other face to face. But there is such a there is such a benefit to actually seeing people that that you don't realize until it happens. And then you're like, oh, yeah, well, that was good. So, you know, even though we're remote doesn't mean we want to be isolated.
0: No, I think we've got a good balance going where we do that to get the work done that needs to be done. And then we sort of go back into our respective places. As I I was thinking about that, that uh, you could definitely do too many of these things. I mean, there's events every week that you could be be attending. And I think at that point it's too much. Like then you're seeing the same people all the time and you have nothing to talk about because you haven't had any chance to go back to the office and do any work Mm -hmm. and make any progress on anything. So the way we've been doing it Oh, it's every couple of months or something. There's something new to talk about. There's updates to share. Even like you know, the media people that are at a lot of the events, there's still enough time that goes by that I have stuff to chit-chat with them about. So uh, there's some new things there. So it was a, it was a good event. And uh, Isaac has a very cool office. They've got the sort of office for cool tech people. With uh, They had a gym, basketball, uh, courts. They've got uh, volleyball, badminton. They have a pool table. And yes, the Zumba classes at lunch. Do so you know you're a tech company when you've got Zumba classes at lunch? Yes. And a big... Uh not even really a kitchen. It's more like a cafeteria kind of open area with lots of microwaves and coffee machines and all of that sort of stuff. Oh, that's cool. And you know, we got a tour of the place, and so we get to see all the different pieces. And you know, you've hit marketing because it's all full of beanbag chairs in Isaac colors as well. I uh, I respect that.
1: There is yeah, there is something to be said for having an office that you can put cool things in. <laughs> I do I do kind of miss that, and I do like the beanbag chairs. Yeah, I do like them.
0: Yeah, I think we enjoyed having an office and hanging stuff up on the walls, but then it was kind of empty. It was just us putting posters up on the walls. And
1: that was it. And then we didn't want to go there. Well, then we were always at client sites, so.
0: Yeah, so we were talking about that. Uh, Selassie and I were talking about the all the travels, and it's a great idea to get to an office, but then you have to get your head into the, the mindset of driving there and driving home and all of that stuff.
1: Speaking of commuting, you had the opportunity to regret not taking the train
2: absolutely after
1: rolling your eyes at me taking the train because i went to ottawa um and i went to cvsa open forum just to sort of see what it was like and but i took the train up and because i thought you know i don't like to fly and you kind of poo-pooed that i don't know
0: how much i was poo-pooing it
1: yeah you poo-pooed it there was poo-pooing
0: yeah i like the train i like it it's it's just uh the perception that it's so much longer and that's always been the perception that, yeah, train is nice, but it's way longer than flying. Well, not so much anymore.
1: It depends. It really depends. It depends on the because I was delayed in Ottawa. But then you have to get from the train to your house, which is also another thing. But at the same time, you have to get from the plane to your house. And if you're not driving to the airport or driving to the train stations, it is it is what it is, right? Trains, planes, and automobiles, difficulty.
0: Yes. Very good Thanksgiving tie-in.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was a Thanksgiving movie. Mm-hmm. All right, go and, watch, go and watch John Candy.
0: Yeah, so one of the high points for me is talking to some customers and just the way they talk about how they use our product gives me lots of ideas. And so I had a good conversation with a group from uh, Criska. Transportation group and how they're using our service, and they're talking about sort of a scorecard uh, for the drivers, and this the training becomes part of the scorecard. But they also look at it as the scorecard for their training program, so they use it to measure the effectiveness of their training program as well. Which is one of the things that we really encourage people to do is look at training as not just something that you stick out there to the driver, did they pass or fail? Okay, end of story. But also look at Look at all of this as a way to measure the success of the training efforts that you're making to manage all of your trainers. Are they all working properly, you know, based on the success of the students that they have manage the whole program um, as a complete thing rather than a bunch of individual parts? And that leads to much better outcomes. So they said it way better than I do.
1: Was this a presentation?
0: No, this was just at a reception. Oh. And and maybe that was the key is that they were, you know, they already had a drink or two and it just sort of came flowing out. And I was like, oh, I wish I'd captured that because it was beautiful.
1: That's the thing is everybody says the best things when you're not prepared for it.
0: Yeah. I need to have like a documentary crew following me around all the time. Just capture these things that are such good comments and, and really well put. But then, you know, I sound like an idiot trying to rephrase it later. So.
1: I had a similar experience when I I did a Best Fleets interview with someone I didn't know at all. And they started the interview by talking about how great the the questionnaire was.
0: Really? Yeah. Our questionnaire?
1: Yeah. The Best Fleets questionnaire. That
0: miserable corporate thing that
1: we- Well, he didn't fill it out. Oh,
2: okay.
1: (laughs) He just contributed to it. It was somebody else who filled it out. But she actually, the person who filled it out. Didn't seem to be. She was very young, so I think she was looking at it like it almost like an assignment that she had to get done. Um, So it was a father and daughter. Mm. And, uh, but he was talking about how the questions, like even when you're not, you don't have a good answer for it, it makes you think about what you could be doing and, and that kind of thing. And it was, you know, he he talked for like five minutes about how good it was. And I was like, oh, thank you. It's really nice. I really appreciate that.
0: And that's also a good approach is looking at it sort of as an assignment, a way of learning different things and thinking about different um, parts of the company. And that's one of the things that has stuck out for me. Uh, I always think, of uh, Fremont contract carriers and how they talked about it the first year that they did it, which was the first year we had the program, they used it. um, Susan, who was the, uh, the person who led it, was fairly new at the company and she used it as a way to get to know the company and what they're doing. And she came in, I think she was in charge of their HR. And so she uh, came in and she was learning about the business and all the different things they're doing and where they need to make some changes. And so this basically became like her, her roadmap is talking to everybody and learning about what's happening currently. What are we doing? What aren't we doing here? And then from there, like She had her plan of what she was going to work on.
1: You know, someone else said that too, or maybe you were just telling Susan's story, but I'm pretty sure that someone else used it as a way to learn about the rest of the company.
0: I've seen a few, a few people that will come in and do that questionnaire, go through the process as a way of kind of doing a gap analysis when they're fairly new at an organization. So our multi-time or multi-company winner, Scott Manthe, who has managed to get three different companies on the top 20 list, that's definitely part of his package. He goes through the process and goes through the questionnaire, does the interview, gets the report, and then uses that to see what he needs to work on at, at the new company.
1: Which is a great idea. I mean, you have a framework. There it is. It's every single part of the company. So you're talking about the dispatchers. You're talking about um, people who are doing orientation. You're talking about the driver training pro- program. You're talking about the safety program. It's, uh, you know, so operations, safety, even accounting, all of that stuff is is covered. Mm-hmm. And it's covered from a driver's point of view, which is very different than a regular employee. Yes, because we do surveys too, it is totally di- well, it's not totally different, but we're not asking you know about do you get enough home time? Because <laughs> you no, know, they have enough home time; they're at home.
0: I have too much home time? Yeah, many of them would like to get out more. But yeah, I I know what you're saying. So looking at it from that perspective, and that's one of the, the things I think we've talked about before, is that when they go through the questionnaire, their default mindset a lot of times is to answer it from the context of their own perspective, particularly on the safety or the maintenance side. So they will look at it from the context of... As a safety person, am I doing all that I could be doing for the safety program or on maintenance? You know, What is our schedule that we follow? How do we handle these different situations? But we come in and look at it from the driver point of view and say, okay, what does that look like for the driver? How does that affect them? What does it mean for them in the context of their day? How much is it disrupting them? You know, And that's where sometimes I you know, get grief from the maintenance people or the safety people is like, well, why are you counting things that aren't our fault? And I say, well, it still affects the driver. You may have the best maintenance program in the world, but if the driver is sitting in the shop for eight hours waiting for you to finish it, that's not great.
1: On that note, I had a very interesting conversation about um, Trish, our new Best Fleets Program Manager. We were talking about, I said something about, you know, I'd love to know, we were going, okay, this is terrible. I started that like paragraph four times. But made
0: the announcement at the beginning that we were going to run out of words soon.
1: Yeah. But, but. Uh, uh, So we were talking about, uh, we were were going through a questionnaire. So one of the things that is making us so tired right now is that we're training people to do the questionnaire, to do the interviews. So you have to kind of go through what the questionnaire means, uh, what kind of things you want to get out of the interview, what all the stuff that people say actually means. So what is, what's PC miler? You know, that's something that if you aren't in the industry, you have no idea. What
0: are the different types of mileage?
1: Yeah. Uh, What are the, you know... What's the difference? Like, what's the difference between a four hundred one k Roth and the and an RSP and all of that stuff? So we're talking about it, and I said kind of offhandedly that you know, you know, what I'd like to do is put a question, is find out why people are in this program. Mm. And she loved that idea, so it's going to come up again, and she wrote it down, so we're not going to forget. As you know, we forget lots of things.
0: Well, it's documented. She's written it down. We have now issued the uh, assignment through the podcast, as we do.
1: I think it's a it's a good thing because some people are like because we want to win it. Some people are like because we want to see how we do, mm-hmm. and some people are doing it because they want to make sure they get bigger. They can they get um they get the driver survey done, or they they want to get on the top twenty, or want to stay on the top twenty, or whatever it is, mm-hmm. or they want a trophy. I'm just interested in in why people want to do it.
0: Yeah, that would be interesting to add that in there. Yeah. In the business info section.
1: And if you put the question down, they have to answer it. <laughs> Hopefully they don't say N-A. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> you imagine.
0: Or they think it's a trick question.
1: <laughs> it's not scored. We just want to know.
0: Yeah. 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 That's cool. Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it is something training other people to do this. And now we're getting it kind of down to a science. I think this is the third year that we've had a pretty... Um, I don't want to say rigid, but a pretty uh, formal program for educating people on how to be interviewers. So getting our staff up to speed, um, teaching them all the things that they need to know just to run through it from the mechanics side of it, and then digging into the questionnaires and what to look for and what it means, like you say. And it is tiring. And we've got more than this year. We've got uh, more people involved than we've ever had. And some of them have been in it before, which is very helpful. But we've still got a, a handful of people that are kind of new uh, going through it. And we've got to oversee all of that, plus our own interviews and make sure that they have the support that they need and that they go through it. And it's a positive experience both for them and for the fleets that they're interviewing. So we end up doing a review of the questionnaire. We plan for the interview and then we go through it. And sometimes we'll take the lead on the interview. Sometimes we will sit back and let the new interviewer do it. Generally, after they've listened to us do it a couple of times, they can take the lead and then we will just sort of follow up from there. So it gets rolling pretty nicely, and I think by the time we do the next episode of this podcast, where we'll be coming to the end of it, it'll be zipping along. They'll all have it down. You know, the the model works. the uh, The process that we've defined works pretty well for getting them up to speed. They'll know this stuff backwards and forwards, and uh, it's it's always interesting to see not just what comes out of the interviews with the fleets, but how this group know, each year's group of new people that are coming in to help us with it, how much they learn and how much they develop and what they get out of it as well. And already I'm finding that they're they're getting some good observations they're uh, noticing some things they're asking some good questions so uh, i think it's uh, it's off to a really good start so far
1: yeah i'm i'm quite happy with how it's going it's um i think i think the people who are doing the interviewing themselves are probably a bit hard on themselves because they're li- you know they're listening to us and then they're trying to do it but i mean it is not an easy topic because you have to know something about all of these different aspects Mm-hmm. And you have to know how to phrase the question so that it's or you have to kind of have a, an idea of what is common knowledge and what isn't common knowledge. And you have to be not afraid to look stupid because every once in a while you put your foot in it. And the other thing is that I think it's hard for people to figure out when they're listening to me is when I go off on a tangent. Mm hmm. And in my head, I know that the tangent is going to include all of these different parts of the questionnaire, but the person who's trying to figure out what I'm asking doesn't know. So you end up, um, sometimes my interviews will, like, I and I won't say, wait, don't talk about that because we're, we're not in that part of the questionnaire. Like today, I was in an interview where it was a new person, so they didn't know. They didn't know where their stuff went, and, and they had a couple of things that didn't have any place.
0: Oh, interesting. I love those. Yeah, I know. They give us ideas for new questions.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I think that I did, I had... I was telling someone about that. See, my brain is now, I've only done about five interviews, but my brain is like, nope, I don't remember anything.
0: Well, I'm at that point already. I think I've done four or five interviews I've actually conducted, but I've reviewed probably another six or so questionnaires for other people. Uh, So,
1: Yeah, it's when you review them as well. And you've got so much information about all of these different companies and the different sizes and what they're doing for this. Oh, my God, it's crazy.
0: So I've kind of looked at probably 10 different fleets now. You've probably looked at comparable number. Is there anything that's jumping out at you yet? Anything sort of early that you've seen?
1: The caliber is up. Yeah. That's what I.
0: Everybody's been working. I noticed that too.
1: This is, it's not a, hey, we're not doing very much of anything, but we're really nice. So we should get a prize. Mm -hmm. It's not like that anymore. People are thinking about it. There are lots and lots of surveys. They're talking to their drivers a lot more. Things have changed. There was more concern about home time. Home time isn't, you know, you get what you get. It's a more of a collaborative thing. I'm finding that it's it's it may not be collaborative in every single instance, but it's moving towards collaboration rather than here's your schedule. You, you may get home for a 34 hour reset.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm definitely noticing that the fleets have been stepping it up. Yeah. And like even early on, it's uh, we're still pretty early into it, but it's it's noticeable that the uh, the best fleets community has responded to that driver uh, crunch, that driver shortage last year by stepping up the things that they're offering and not just pay. Like that's the the headline thing that's been in the news a lot is, oh, pay is up. And, you know, but people are realizing and I've seen this at two different there we go. Sessions. Um, and maybe it was the same, maybe they're both with Bob Costello saying the same thing, but I've heard it a couple of times. I've heard him at a couple of different things saying roughly the same thing that, yeah, people raised the rate, but the income for drivers didn't actually change because they just run less. It's that whole home time thing. Yeah, they don't really want to work that many hours. They work that because that's what they need uh, to make in a week. So if they can make that running less, then they do. And so we saw that. I mean, I would think we saw that six or eight years ago. Um, so it wasn't really surprising. So the incomes are up, but they're not up that much, uh, I'm finding, but it's the other things. Yeah, it's the other programs, it's benefits improvements, it's vacation improvements, it's other programs to collect uh, info, collect feedback from drivers, work on more collaborative things, more driver service manager types.
1: And you know what's what's interesting, um, and this has been happening over the last couple of years, where drivers have been on the on the on the calls.
0: Did you have one of those? Yeah. Oh, that's very
1: cool. And he was actually he was actually doing a delivery at the time, so <laughs> I could hear a lot of heavy breathing. And then finally, the I think it was the owner of the company, but his boss said, you, "You're going to hear some grunting and stuff like that." But that's just because he's actually unloading right now. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess he you got your Bluetooth. But it was quite cool because what we did was we shifted to questions that were more because he didn't have a lot of time. So we shifted towards more questions about driver experience, like driver committee. They have in this particular case, I don't even remember the name of the company anymore. It's totally gone because I had I've had two interviews since then. They have a driver rep. Oh, no, I remember the company. It's in Saskatchewan, and it's a member of Dasky, and it's Kelsey Trail. <laughs> oh, I just, it all just clicked in for me, and I cannot...
0: It's not relevant. Okay. I'm more interested in the other things that you're going to say.
1: So, there's a driver rep from different types of drivers. So they have long-haul drivers, they have... Like short, I don't know if they're local, but they're they're not lo- like the opposite of long haul. They're either local or regionally. I'm not sure. But they also and then he said, and we have a Filipino rep. And I was like, oh, OK. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, because they are getting um, they're part of the foreign worker program. So apparently the foreign workers that they get, and I think that's really cool to have the representatives from not only the different runs that you have, because I think that's important, Mm -hmm. but also the different types, you know, the different backgrounds of people. Mm. And I always say that, you know, if you have a couple of women in your fleet, get a representative. Have that, have a woman on your committee because you're not going to get that perspective anywhere else. Like, what are you going to do? Have some guy go and try and find what the woman's perspective is on your, like, and bring it back to the committee? That's not going to happen. And there was a couple of times where, um, A couple of times during interviews, and it wasn't always the same interview where people were talking about how they were surprised. Oh, actually, no, this was the same interview where they were talking about how they were surprised about information that they got through different means. So they, you know, they talk to their drivers all the time, but they do a survey and they get get this information about something else that's surprising, or they get it from a different perspective that's surprising. And that's the whole point of doing a whole bunch of different ways of communicating with drivers is that you want to get to the person who wants to communicate with you in a certain way. It may not be the way that you want to communicate. It may be you want to hit on the way they want to communicate. And if you can do that, then you will be surprised because people all have different, different ways of doing it. Yeah. So I kind of, I thought that was cool. But anyway, one of the driver, one of the driver reps, the long haul driver rep was, was this gentleman. And he gave us some good insight into, you know, how he got onto the committee, what he does as a committee member, how he reaches out to drivers, like how he gets their input and gives it back to um, management, what is done with that. Like, and it wasn't, it wasn't management telling, telling me what they do. It was the driver telling me what he sees them do with that information.
0: That's giving me an idea. So we want to do more, well, we do education, sort of sharing the things that we find. And we will occasionally have some fleet people talking about their situation, talking about what they're doing. But I love the idea of having a driver be part of one of these kind of panels to talk about, here's how it works. Here's how we do the driver committee and, you know, those elements. And there would be other things, I'm thinking coaching, sharing best practices, a lot of things where that driver feedback would be really useful. would be really good to have as a voice on a panel. Oh, I like that.
1: There's a couple of different people who had shadow drivers. They called them shadow drivers Mm. and what they are, are people doing job shadowing. Mm. So they're just, uh, and one of the, one of the fleets had, if they have both people in the truck, then both people are being paid. So it, it, Basically, they're paying twice, Um, but they have an experienced driver basically do it with a new driver and and they have a whole series of of that going on, which I thought was kind of cool. I just had never heard, I mean, I understand job shadowing. I know what that is. I just never heard it in a driver context before.
0: No, it's usually kind of... Paired delivery where you'll have two trucks going to a a customer and one of them is the new hire who is sort of followed or led by a more experienced person who can show them how to get in and out of the customer and make sure they're okay. Do that kind of job shadowing, but not actually in the same cab together.
1: No, there was a whole process of they go and park and... Like they both take their trucks to one location. One parks, gets out of the truck, gets so they're both in the truck. They go and do. Now this is all for local. This is new people and local runs and stuff like
0: that. where parking exists.
1: Yeah, and I think if it's if it's the same if it's the same company, then it's Saskatchewan. So there's probably not truck parking problems there. <laughs> Saskatchewan is not hugely urban. So I thought that was kind of cool. But I'd heard the job shadowing. I, I remember reading it and thinking, oh, I've heard this before. Like it wasn't like a couple of interviews ago. I've, I've heard this. That's an interesting um, thing. The other thing that I keep hearing is, um, oh, I can't remember. It's It's something to do with training. It's they, it's a, like another name of training in Great West Casualty. It seems to be associated with it. It's, it's safety. Not prevent- it's like, I'll have to look it up because it's in my notes.
0: Tune in to the next episode where we will reveal what's in Jane's head. Let's move on and talk about some courses.
1: Oh, you want to finish talking about Best Weeks? Well,
0: that, that was a good place for a, a seg into something else. Okay.
1: All right. Some courses. I don't think there's really anything new. We've been kind of working on the same courses.
0: Well, Winter Driving is out.
1: Winter driving is out. Winter driving English is out, which makes it difficult when you have French or Spanish because those haven't been translated yet. Our translations come a little bit later just because you want to make sure that the English is right.
0: Yeah. And we're causing some grief for the support team who go through this process of retiring the old uh, courses and um, replacing them with new and then sort of following customer requests to update records to replace records or make copies and things like that. So it's a bit of a challenge for them. So as we go through this longer process of replacing our older courses, we are bit by bit figuring out the best way to do that with minimal headache for customers and for the support team.
1: That's how we've done a refresh of a couple of other courses, um, Bloodborne Pathogens, US Hascom has been refreshed. And we actually had to change a font.
0: (laughs) Ah, Yes.
1: We're having some font problems. And there's particular fonts that don't show up on Apple's iOS because if they're Microsoft fonts. So Impact, theres a, I don't know if anybody knows fonts, but Impact is the font that actually Best Fleets uses. And um, Impact does not show up on iOS. Really? Really. Ever? No, it does not. Huh. It, does, it, they, it just doesn't. So there are Impact-like fonts that do. Uh, but now for some reason, Arial, oh no, our problem was that Arial, the regular font.
0: Yeah. The most basic font of ever.
1: Yeah. That Firefox doesn't display it correctly. Like doesn't display it the same way as everybody else does. Cause Firefox. You
0: no know, Firefox on windows.
1: So just that. And they, it messed up the way a course looks because the font is bigger. So everything wraps work. Like it just.
0: It flows wrong. And you get stuff overlapping and, yeah, sitting on top of each other, and it looks really sloppy.
1: So it just started us down this rabbit hole of fonts, and we've figured out we've got a new font called a Remo, I think, that looks like Arial and sounds like Arial.
0: But isn't Arial. But
1: isn't Arial. But you will never know. Actually, I know, but I know the difference. So there are a couple of courses that are in this new, new font, and it actually makes it a lot easier. So we've been working on that weird sort of... Very strange adjustment, kind of stuff that people don't realize is actually a lot of work. But we've been plugging along on the courses that we are. That we're doing so we've got a whole whack of translations out i think our spanish translator is over the moon because we got her to do well, not her but her company to do um our hazmat course in spanish so that was a big
0: well christmas bonuses for them
1: yes Kristen was Kristen, i think and then we sent her winter driving <laughs> it was like are you done with that okay here's another one and we're doing the same thing with our french translators like i uh okay here's the next one and he's uh so he's going to be busy. And we will, as soon as we get that, we will get it plugged in, get it out to voice. And so we'll probably have winter driving, all the translation done for January, which is kind of late for winter driving, I know, and I feel terrible, but at least will it will all be done and it will be beautiful for next year. We're also, um, so Bloodborne Pathogens and, and Hascom are, those are, They're all refreshed. They all look nicer. You won't won't know until you go in. So TDG is progressing. Um,
0: Well, doing translations at this time of year is a really good opportunity since a lot of your content team that write new content are wrapped up in Best Fleets interviews. The productivity slows on that. That's normal. But uh, translations are handled through different people. So that can keep moving. Yeah and even the assembly afterwards is handled by a different uh, different team internally. So that can be done while uh, you know while your new new content creators are busy with other things so that there's still new titles coming out.
1: Yeah, so we're working on loading and unloading for auto haulers. That's probably going to be not until the new year because the writer is busy doing best weights interviews. Um, we actually have we're just finishing up personal security and we are the writer who did that. She is going to be working on a series of leadership courses. Oh
0: yeah, I forgot. We got to talk about that because that's going to be very cool.
1: That is going to be cool. And it's going to be um, for, not for drivers necessarily. Well, it could be, but it's it's actually aimed more towards supervisors. Well, for
0: people moving into a supervisor position for the first time. Right. That's what I loved about it when the idea came up is that it will cover drivers moving into a trainer position, drivers moving into helping out with recruiting or somebody that's starting to do that career path into a leadership position, or even like the small fleet people uh, that are in a leadership position, leading staff for the first time, they often don't have much education in some of these things.
1: The first one that we're going to do is emotional intelligence, which is a fun one. I like emotional intelligence. Like we are at the very, very, very beginning. So it's like, OK, you know, sky's the limit. And, you know, where are we going to get some information? So we might have either a, an online like a test inside the course about testing your own emotional intelligence or you do a test from outside and then you go and do the course. So that's one of the two ways that we're going to do it. And then we're going to talk about the different things that affect your emotional intelligence. And basically, emotional intelligence is just the ability to, I think it really comes down to the ability to read nonverbal language, like the ability or knowing how to respond to someone. Mm -hmm. So it's the, you know, how not to be a complete jerk.
0: There you got your course title, at least. There you go. How not to be a jerk.
1: Yeah. Reading nonverbal language, colon, how not to be a jerk. It's some it. There's a lot more to it than that, and you can improve it. But I think it's a good thing to do. A course on. I remember seeing that when at first, like I think it was the first book was written about it in the nineties, and I think I went to some seminar somewhere that I went to a session on it, and I thought it was really, really fascinating Mm. at the time. Cool. So it is It is a good management supervisory thing to do just because it lets you know, and I'm really kind of like scraping the bottom of my brain for this. It kind of helps you adjust your behavior to how someone else is presenting their behavior. You know, if you're trying to get something good out of something, someone else, you know, how you respond to them is going to make a difference.
2: Hmm.
0: And what other titles will be coming after that one?
1: Communication skills, um, conflict resolution, things of that nature. Conflict
0: resolution will be useful. Yes. Yeah, communication skills, I would like to add some things in that. Tell people how to do email. Oh. And tell people how to do phone calls. I have all kinds of pet peeves.
1: Well, you're not really allowed oh. in my content creation area.
0: Well, I'm throwing the idea out there, just in case. Okay, well, let me put it this way. In case you would like some sort of real world experiences. (laughs) Yeah, some scenarios to add in.
1: But it's like we're talking about doing seven or eight titles. So what I want to do is spread it out amongst the writers. And so they have a like really basically it's easier to write one of these courses than it is to write a tracking course. Mm. Just because everybody who's on the writing team has been in a corporate environment and has probably taken one of these courses. Has
0: some experience with the subject matter already.
1: Yeah, so it's a bit of a vacation to do it. It's like, oh, okay. Like even sexual harassment is kind of like, oh, yay, I get to work on sexual harassment. (laughs) I don't have to look up, you know, I don't have to watch videos to figure out what they're talking about.
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: Like that's kind of where it is.
0: Yeah, the HR stuff... It's a little closer to home for most people.
1: Yeah. It, it, it's just easier because you've, you know, you've had experience with it. And once, what's nice is that once people get experience in a truck, it really helps yes. them writing that too. So, you know, it goes both ways. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Oh, that sounds good. I mean, there's always lots of stuff coming. I think it's very cool the way we're doing things now where we tend to do these, not a course, but a series. So we had that before, where defensive driving was kind of a series. There was tractor trailer, straight truck, and then all of the various mini modules that came out of it. But now you are doing the same kind of thing with the car hauler, where you've got a series of titles that are for that subject, uh, that segment. You've got a series of titles for tanker people that are are for that segment, and now we're going to have this sort of leadership series as well. So yeah, it's getting to be a, a good size, uh, good size library and a lot of different variations in there. Yep.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, so. Um, what else do we have to talk about? We've got uh,
1: how much I want to sleep.
0: <laughs> so or uh, eat.
1: <laughs>
0: yes. Well, I, I think we have covered most of the main things, mm. and uh, this is probably a good time to end it. Oh, All
1: really?
0: right. So let's wrap it up there, and thanks everybody for listening.
1: Thanks. Have a good night.